0: Hello, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Derek Devin, and joining me are Adam White, Peter Bowler, and Nathan Staples. Before we get started on previewing the weekend's matches, let's take a brief result look at the results from match day five, which were generally kind to League 1's European representatives. Ligue 1 were the first to play on Tuesday and kept their hopes of progression alive after Alexander Lacazette scored the match's only goal in Zagreb, leaving Ligue with a crucial match against Sevilla in two weeks' time, with a win by two goals or more being enough to secure their progression. Monaco also got a win, defeating Tottenham 2-1 at home to clinch top spot in Group E with a match to spare, as goals from Gibriel Sidibe and Thomas Lamar bookended a Harry Kane penalty. Paris Saint-Germain's injury-ravaged squad earned a 2-2 draw at the Emirates against Arsenal. Its own goals from Marco Verratti and Alex Iwobi saw a late draw earned, which sees the French champions topping the group with one match to play. In the Europa League, Nice played a rotated side and lost a 2-0 at Schalke, confirming their exit. Exit from the competition in a spirited, if sloppy, affair. Zetetan, meanwhile, drew on a, a habitual nil-nil draw, uh, which is enough to see them through, and a win against Anderlecht next, next match day, we'll see them top the group as well. Uh, so we're going to start off with a very brief discussion of Leon's trip to Zagreb. Nathan, I'll pass the post duties here to you very briefly.
1: Yeah, and, and Leon went back to the four three three that served them so well down the stretch last season, Eric. And even with key attackers like Corinthan Toliso and Nabo for rested ahead of the weekend's class against Paris Saint-Germain, which we'll talk about later. Um, should this have been the the end of Genesio's tactical tinkering this season?
0: Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I think that you know, a lot of times if we look back at the three five two he played the first time these two teams met. met. A lot of the so-called tinkering he's done was down to, uh, down to necessity. He was missing a lot of key players at certain moments. Uh, the Gonalon had that long suspension. Fakir and Lacazette both missed quite a bit of time. Uh, and I, I think on the evening, though, it, it worked. I think that we need to see more from this 4-3-3 because I think it is the most consistent system, and it, I think it does offer the most opportunity uh, for versatility. Uh, that is to say, the team are able to, to ride our injuries a little bit better. We've seen, for example, Rafael played at right back and actually had a very strong match uh, on the evening, but he could also play on the right of that 4-3-3, you where know, Gazal and Fakir both injured. Uh, Corne can play on both flanks, likewise Valbuena. Uh, and in midfield you've also got uh, the versatility of the trio of Ferry, Thaliso and, and Darder. So I think that uh, that being the case, I think he should continue to switch with this, um, stick with this, uh, just as long as he's not uh, risking being a little bit too open by playing Tolisso and Dardair together. He does need to be cautious of that, um, that approach, especially against opposition that's uh, at or above Leon's level, as uh, I think Sevilla certainly is at this point in time. So I think the four three three here is something that they need to build on, just uh, stick with it, but perhaps be a little bit more selective in terms of personnel. As regards to the opponent, but again, well done. Uh, Leon did what they needed to do, even if it was a little bit desperate. And I have to say, uh, two a win by two goals or more against Sevilla doesn't look likely. But the fact that they have still got a chance uh, after the way that they started this group is, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. And and you know, credit to the team. Hopefully, uh, if they don't get the result they need, they can have a good run in the Europa League and continue to develop. Uh, some of these younger players who, again, you know, aside from last year's group stage exit, really don't have a lot of European experience. Um, aside from uh, Lacazette and Valbuena, and going along, you know, this team, uh, that is the, the team, the players is there. Oh, and Rafael as well, don't really have a whole lot of experience. And I think that staying in European play, uh, whether it is the Champions League or the Europa League, is going to be a necessary building
1: block if this team want to continue to improve uh, around the same core personnel. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Jean-Michel Olas will be sending a fruit basket to Juventus and probably Mark Klattenberg at this moment as we speak, with Juventus helping doing a job over Sevilla to make it open for that final game. I'll pass the duties back on to you then, Eric, for as we, we go on to talk about Monaco's winning against Spurs.
0: Right. Uh, this was a. Let's start with you, Nathan. Uh, Spurs got their selection, I think we'd say in respect, decidedly wrong. Kieran Trippier, Harry Winks, and Son heung all played relatively poorly. Was this a case of underestimating the hosts? or sim- uh, Too much faith in these individuals or just simply a poor performance from that particular trio?
1: I, I don't think it was an underestimation of the, the hosts. They know how good Monaco have been this season. You know, the top scorers in Europe, they've already beat them at Wembley as well, so they knew... What they were getting themselves in for, and looking at the players you've picked out there, Kieran Trippier was a was maybe the strange one for some people. Kyle Walker's had a, a decent start to the season, but he has struggled, especially against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. He wasn't as good in that game. So, and they tended to rotate fullbacks, especially when they were in the Europa League last season. So they would have put enough faith in him, but he can be a little bit suspect going backwards, and especially with those. Too overloading in in, um, in Mondi and Lemar. He really really struggled against them um, last night. Harry Winks. Maybe it might have been a big step up for him. Him maybe a little bit too much of a step up this soon. But um, they are Sosoko isn't isn't playing in the greatest form at the moment. They needed to play. Oh, that was the question actually. They played Eric Dyer in defence and, and had. Um, Vertonghen on the bench which seemed a little bit strange like they were saving him for the Chelsea game that seems a little bit odd uh, I mentioned that in the preview that they definitely needed to play Son Heung-min um, he was excellent the weekend when he came on he's had a good start to the season he adds an extra dimension to the attacking play when they've really struggled in the final third on occasion with uh, Eriksen not hitting the ground running um, Ali not quite at the level he is Harry Kane still getting fitness and they did miss Eric Lamella last night as well. He's he's injured at the moment. That was a miss. But I don't think it was a case of P- uh, Pochettino picking the wrong players. I think it was a mixture of them not quite being there. And, I, and in all honesty, an excellent Monaco side, which he, they were really, really good at times. And this could have been three, four, five if it wasn't for Hugo Lloris and especially that absolutely sensational save from Camo Glick. It is a wonder save. It might be the best save of the season so far. It's it's terrific. Yeah,
0: I wholeheartedly concur there, Nathan. That's definitely one one to track down for the, the GIF watchers. Um, yeah, Danny Rose obviously with and I think Vertonghen is probably going to play this weekend at left back with Danny Rose suspended and Ben Davies injured. There was certainly some tough choices that uh, Pochettino had to make, uh, but I think that uh, perhaps this is a little bit of mea culpa on his part that will. I think, serve Spurs well as they seek to continue their upward progression this season. Uh, Adam, let's talk about Monaco's summer acquisitions, though. As, as Some have lamented Spurs getting their summer dealings wrong. It seems like it's the exact opposite for Monaco. They all perform splendidly. That's uh, the two fullbacks, Mendy and Bay and, and Gleek, the central defender. With this added uh, depth and strength in the squad, Monaco are still easily balancing two competitions, but a really uh, strong run of fixture congestion is about to happen. Uh, so, two things. Can Monaco keep up their challenge in the league? And secondly, how far can this team progress in the Champions League?
2: Well, I, I have to say, I'm, I've been so impressed with Monaco this season. I, I think they're honestly one of the most exciting and most effective footballing units on the continent at the moment. And in terms of the fact that they're both balancing competition, balancing both competitions really well, I think that just shows that Jardim's really got his stamp on the team now. Now that they've got Glick and Mendy and Sidibe have come in, it's looking like his team finally. I know he's been there a few seasons now, but it really feels like he's put his stamp on the squad. So I think they, they should set their sights on winning the league, first of all. I think PSG are there for the taking. They're just taking a while to adapt under Emery. There's still questions over various members of the squad. It's slightly unbalanced, the squad. So I think that Monaco are in a real shout. You, if they can keep everyone to be fit and, and they can maintain their form in the league. They could, they could win league 1, which would be brilliant. I, I would love someone other than PSG to win the league. Um, and I think the way they're playing, I think only Real Madrid, Barcelona, perhaps that's it, maybe not even Bayern Munich anymore, are playing at the moment in better form than they are, or at least look like they wouldn't you know, would stand a chance against them, or wouldn't have a chance against them, if you like, if they came up against them in the Champions League. I'd fancy Monaco against pretty much anybody else. And a few seasons ago, they made the quarterfinals uh, of the Champions League, Monaco, with a worse team, in my opinion, and a team which was perhaps a bit more work than like a good team, but one that was not as not as proficient, not as exciting, not as capable as his team. So, I think given the draw, if they get a if they get a tough a tough draw in the in the in the first knockout round, Monaco, then you know if they get Barcelona or Real Madrid, perhaps Atletico as well. Maybe those Spanish teams will will beat them, perhaps. But if I was Jardim and if I was the Monaco squad, I'd be fancying my chances against anybody else. And, and unless they come up against one of those teams, I can see them making at least the quarterfinals. And I, I think they should really set their sights on that. They should be ambitious. It's sort of they're peaking now, I think, now that Gerdinand's got his team together, he's got his squad together, he's got his ideas implanted in them. I really think that this is a team that can really threaten on both fronts. Um, obviously, go, you know, going to semis and beyond is very, very difficult. There's so many good teams in, at this stage and when the knockout stages of the Champions League come around that, you know, they're going to be close games. But if Monaco keep playing the way they are, they've got every chance of, of threatening the last four at least. Um, and they could if they keep everybody fit given those players that have come in they've got the they've continued their strength over from last season they've got a deep squad who knows they they could win league in and, and really do something in the Champions League so I, I'm very positive about them I, I keep trying to tell my, my English football supporting fans that um, English football supporting friends sorry that that they're the best team to watch at the moment they're outscoring everybody and they were going to beat Spurs I fancied them very much to beat Spurs uh, this week and they duly obliged. so I've got I think they're a great side and um, big things for Jardín this season I think
0: I could not uh, agree more uh, but let's move on to the other match involving uh, French and English teams clashing uh, now Peter I want to come to you first here Arsenal were uncharacteristically sloppy on the night uh, misplacing passes and actually ceding uh, more possession to PSG even playing at home Peter what was wrong with the English team on the evening yeah, you're absolutely right, Eric. They
3: did look sloppy and uh, and tired for a lot of that game as well. I'm not sure if that's got something to do with uh, the intensity that they've been playing in the in the Premier League over the last few weeks. Um, but uh, certainly for the, the last couple of games, Arsenal have looked poor. Um, I think their performance against PSG has a couple of factors to it, really. Um, I think part of it would be the fact that some of the players that started for Arsenal last night ha- have not been featuring for the team uh, regularly, if at all. I mean, obviously... Uh, Jenkinson coming in at right back for, for Hector Bellerin, who's been so important to Arsenal this season, and and obviously Olivier Giroud as well, found himself in a somewhat unfamiliar place in the uh, in the starting eleven. So I think that that's part of it, but but also Arsenal were clearly lacking a lot of their usual fluency. Um, the warning signs were there from the start, really, against PSG. Like like you mentioned, uh, Laurent Koscielny was spraying loose passes. Uh, I think one got picked up by Matuidi, um, thirty yards from his own goal, and. And obviously, Francis Coquelin gifted the ball to Cavani in a, in a similar position. So it was it was sloppy, um, really, for me. Where Arsenal needed somebody to control that midfield. Peter, you're
0: just cutting out a little bit. They didn't do it was the. Peter Peter, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on mute here for a second. You're 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 gonna be able to do
3: that. Um we made it even more, more
0: posing
1: that um I mean, it's a I'm trying to. <laughs> there we go. All right.
0: So Lucas Moura was superb throughout on the right. Uh, Angel Di Maria had been playing there as of late and done, doing pretty well as well. But uh, the Brazilian is the one member of the squad who definitively seems to have progressed under, under Emery. Adam, given the Argentines somewhat indifferent start to this season, who is better suited to play for PSG on the right of that 4-3-3?
2: Well, um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently because I think they switched around quite a lot. So, so Lucas started out there this season, Di Maria was on the left and they, they ended up switching around recently and Di Maria has been much better since moving out to the right. So I, it's clear that both of them both prefer and are better on the right-hand side uh, of the attack and it gets the best out of both of them, but they both can't play there, which is unfortunate. So I think for me, I, I think Emery needs to think about getting the best out sort of the average, if you like, so the average between the two. And I think that Lucas is, although not as effective on the right-hand side, is still relatively effective on the left, whereas Dean Maria has been completely ineffective on the left. So for me, I would have to keep Dean Maria on the right and Lucas, Lucas on the left. Um, it's a very difficult decision to make, though, because Lucas was, was so fantastic there uh, yesterday, and I thought it was brilliant against Arsenal. And and I, he was, he's been great all season. And I, in fact, last season under Blanc, I always felt every time he played, every time he came on, he really looked good. And I, was always, I always felt like he should be playing in the team last season as well. So I think the reason that he's really blossomed this season, or at least he's been in form, is because he's been given the chance to impress and given the chance to, to play more consistently under Emery. He really has his, puts his faith in him, and he, you can see like, his confidence at Lucas More at the moment. And it's, it's been fantastic. But given the difference in Di Maria's performance on the two flanks and the, the, less, the sort of less gap, the smaller gap in Lucas Morris, I think that Di Maria should, should keep that right-hand side position because if they can get the best out of Di Maria, then you know, I, I think that's probably a, a higher level than getting the best out of Lucas Mora, perhaps. Um, so for me, I, I'd keep Di Maria on the right, but Lucas has been fantastic. And perhaps even moving Lucas, if they wanted to go 4 2 three, one, perhaps even moving Lucas centrally would be a good idea he's so good in central areas turning and running at defenses stretching teams putting center backs and full backs under pressure um he's, he's, a, he's a really really underrated player as well in european terms when you think about the players that discuss players like douglas costa who are heralded um Casey Coleman, that's, I think he's, he's as good as those sort of those that sort of level of players but he goes kind of under the radar perhaps maybe because he's playing in league and maybe because previous seasons he's been marginalized but i think he's a brilliant player but i'd still try and get the best out of Di Maria as best I can. And that might mean that Lucas might have to play second field for a little bit longer, but he's in great form. And, you know, I, he could be a, a really great player for PSG this season. He, he really drives the team forward. I think he's fantastic.
0: All right, Nathan, coming on to you. PSG's fullbacks generally sat very high up the pitch. Uh, with the pace of Ori and Kurzawa, uh, tactically, this generally isn't an issue, but Munier and Maxwell are well-competent fullbacks, quite a bit slower than the, than the usual starters. Bearing this in mind, should Unai Emery have revised things a little bit in terms of their positioning?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point to make because when you when you think about Arsenal and where some of their strengths lie, and it was obvious in their team selection as well that the pace in Alex Olawobi and and uh, Alexis Sanchez is is abundant, and it's usually exacerbated by the fact that uh, Monreal's a, a solid left back, although Gibbs was playing this one. Bayerin would be a superb support cast and without Paris Saint-Germain's wingers covering back we mentioned how good Lucas and and Angel Di Maria were but they aren't players that will particularly track back anytime soon so they are exposed in a sense to anything that goes in behind them it didn't happen an enormous amount in this one surprisingly Um, it was more Arsenal's chances tend to come in that in that last 15 minutes, first 15 minutes of the second half, last 15 of the first, where they really pushed them back into their own half a little bit more. So luckily it wasn't really an enormous issue throughout the game, but it's certainly something Emery should have considered um, because, like I said, the pace in those areas, and you mentioned it already, Maxwell and, and Mounier aren't exactly the most um, fleet-footed of fullbacks, despite being both competent going forward and backwards. But... It's maybe something you should consider, especially in the if now they're in the knockout rounds. We've mentioned on the main podcast that you aren't likely to get an easy tie in either um, first or second, depending on who goes through on on where. Because of especially because Paris Saint Germain being a French side with less French teams likely to be in that last sixteen, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them. So, yeah, they need he needs to when when he can't play like Savoie, which was. A strange one with his visa issues and obviously Cazal being injured he needs to be a little bit more aware of um, his opponent's strengths because um, against a better team if that was against someone like Barcelona who excel in those areas as well or Real Madrid uh, they would have been severely punished in in this kind of performance as well. All
0: right Peter are you back with us now? Can you hear me okay now? Yes yes Peter is back. Oh
3: fantastic complete power cut I'm afraid um yeah oh fantastic where did i get to before it, i i got cut off uh well we'll just no, we'll yeah. just
0: soldier on uh <laughs> or should we just move on yeah we're gonna okay, essentially arsenal were slow and boring there you go that's about all you need all right yeah lacking the pace of bellerine i think that that's something that nathan touched upon as well i think is a, is an important part there that uh, without him uh, they don't quite have that uh, that cutting edge that allows them to withstand yeah.
3: Yeah, I really, I really felt as well they, they really missed uh, Granite Xhaka because they lost that midfield battle in that game and uh, they needed someone to, to kind of take the ball by the horns and control that midfield. So really puzzled why, uh, why he didn't play, if I'm honest. But hey-ho, uh, both teams are qualified. So, um, you know, all's well that ends well.
0: So, team we you, Peter now. Nice were perhaps less than inspiring in their loss to Schalke tonight, but there may have been some mm. silver linings here, particularly Anastasios Donis, uh, who is lively throughout. Peter, on tonight's evidence, even against a decidedly second-string Schalke team, does the Juventus loanee deserve more of a chance, especially with the news coming out now that uh, Mario Balotelli is set to miss at least the next three matches uh, for Les Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think on tonight's performance, he certainly does. Uh, but to be fair to him, it's been difficult to get into this side over the last month or so, uh, considering the form of, of Plie and, and Balotelli. Um, I was kind of hoping for, for big things from Nice tonight, but unfortunately by the end of the game, I, I was left feeling a little flat. I don't know about you, Eric. Um, I mean, Nice obviously lined up with their, their 3-5-2, which was unsurprising. Um, but I, w- I, I was quite shocked to see certain individuals on the bench tonight, Plie, uh, Cyprien, and Seri. Uh, I thought they would have been in the team. Um, so I, I was surprised to see them uh, not feature or at least not until uh, the later stages of the game but no the, the greek striker did did have a, a really good really good game um hit the crossbar I think within the first ten minutes as well um, but after after that it really kind of fell fell to pieces for for nice obviously canoplyka striking i think um after fifteen minutes and then that that awful penalty to give away as well um after i think it was sixty or seventy minutes was it um, so yeah yeah it was it was sloppy and uninspiring from nice tonight and for me, they look like a side who who maybe had their eyes on uh, another prize. Um, and I, I don't think I can really really blame, uh, blame Lucifer for, for doing that. But he said something quite interesting in his interview after the game. He said, and I quote, we're out, but we didn't turn in bad performances and we saw positive things for the future. And I think he's right. I think there's enough to take from that Nice side um, to make them feel good about the rest of the season, especially when they look at, where they are in the league. And uh, I think they can, they can really just focus on their, their league performances now.
1: Yeah, this neat team was set up to wave the white flag tonight, I think, from the looks of things. Yeah, I, I think it'd be difficult yeah, to like agree. that. Uh,
0: so concluding our European review section, Adam, I want to come on to you. Uh, Saint-Etienne uh, played their usual defensive Dour style nil-nil, but they actually had a, a decent performance uh, from Osama Tanan, who, who I have lambasted in the recent past. Uh, but much more surprisingly than the Moroccan, uh, his, uh, uh, the, sorry, the player on the other wing, I should say, uh, Ke- uh Kevin Piquet's replacement, uh, young Arna- Arnaud Nodin, uh, had a really great match. I think, uh, really got at, um, the right back, uh, Brasinski of, of Mainz. Uh, is he someone who should be given perhaps a little bit more of a look in, given how much Tensei has struggled in terms of scoring?
2: Adam? Um, possibly. I'm, I, I like him. I, 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 like Nodin. I think he's, I think he's good, but. I think it's one of these situations where um, he, he's very young, he's still 18. And given that uh, Tanan played well, I was as surprised as you. I think he had a, he had a great game. I'm to not score and win the game for them at the end. And Moni has been in decent form recently as well. Um, the, Nordan's not going to be starting for Sinetti very often. Perhaps if they play a 3 5 2 and he wants to use more wing backs, which they've done pre- previously, he may be suited more to a wing back role than Moni or Tanan would be. So in that situation, perhaps he's going to get a few more games. But... I think Gautier has done the right thing with him so far. He's a very talented player. He's quick. He's fast. He's quick and fast, and he's got pace. <laughs> but he's he's very tricky, and and he, you know he's he's a developing young player. But he needs time to develop. Um. So, I think he, he started twice for him. He's come off the bench a few times. And at 18 years old, having not really made an appearance for the for the senior side before before you know a couple of months ago, I think he's being used in the right way. Um. I, I'm all I'm all for, especially in France. I think it's one of the huge strengths of the league that that, that teams um blood young players and but they do it in the right way and it's, it's they come through slowly and they, they perhaps they if they get their chance in the team they seize it but i think the way that he's being used at the moment is is the right way to go about the nordan's introduction given his age and given his relative lack of an experience but the fact that there's going to be loads of games this season with them get they'll get through this the way they are through now and the league games where they uh, will be mounting up before christmas the two cups are coming soon so he'll get that experience and perhaps he's one to look for next season maybe Maybe if Money Packy maybe or Tananda does move on, maybe he's going to get a few more chances in on in wider areas next season because he's got a long way to go and it's, it's, there's a risk of, of throwing him in too early and he maybe has a few bad games and he gets put under pressure and his confidence gets knocked, which when you're so young is is, is crucial to your footballing development. So I'd I'd like to see him play, but I wouldn't say that he should be in with starting games just yet unless it's in a cup perhaps or to bring him on to maybe affect teams and stretch teams later in games to start with, but. He's definitely one that Gautier can sort of think about for for, for next season, assuming is still there next season, um, because he's a talent. And, and that's what French football great at, is bringing those talents through. And I think I think he's, he's possibly an, another one. And Sinetian would be excited to see how he develops in the next few months. But for now, I think Gautier's doing the right thing. and But he's a good player, and I'd, I'd like to see more of him as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, and there's also Dylan St-Louis, who's on loan at Stade Lavallois, and Jonathan Bamba, who's on loan with Saint-Tredin in the... Uh, Belgian first division. So, lots of, lots of hope for Send-to-10 on the wings. I think that despite some frustrating performances from Monet Paquet and Tanan this season, uh, that there is uh, a chance that the team could improve in the next season or two, uh, so long as they maintain that solid defensive core. Hmm. Moving on now from European action, let's focus on league 1. competition we'll be seeing quite a bit of before the winter break, with six matches to be played by December 21st. Now let's start with an update from our score predictor. Uh, Nathan was absent, seeing some football in Germany last uh, weekend, but uh, didn't slip too far behind. Um, so last week, saw me capture five points, Peter capture seven, uh, and Adam capture seven as well. Um, at leaves us with Adam on 34, myself on 30, Nathan on 25, and Peter on 19. And again, three points. You're closer than you were. <laughs> it's, three I a- <laughs> it's, it's, three, it's three points for a correct... Uh score one point for a correct result. Uh, and just because there there are there is a really big match this weekend in Liga, we are going to only focus on three matches uh, this week. Uh the first match to take a look at is uh tomorrow, Ren versus Toulouse. And I wrote this week in my Liga Review column about how Ren has suffered from a lack of a decent striker in Johan Gorkoof's or sorry, Christian Gorkouf's uh 4411. <laughs> uh I wanted to open this to all of you. Um uh we'll start with uh we'll start with you, Nathan. Um does Gorkouf need to change his system to suit the personality he has or have injuries to the likes of Wesley Said, who's had a decent start to the season, and Paul George Intep limited this team's potential playing in the system?
1: It's a tough one, I think. Um, the main issue, even with the injury to Wesley Said is I don't think they've got a good enough frontman to be a striker on his own. Um, I don't think Giovanni Sio's shown me enough in the last year or so to prove that he deserves it. Wesley Said has had some okay performances, but again, they, they tend to have come when he's come off the bench and they've decided to go with two up front. I would like to see them try and shift this formation and try and get the best out of someone like Antep, who can be a really, really good player on his day. Um, th- uh, there's, uh, D- is, uh, I want to get his name right as well. It's the the young winger who keeps coming on and scoring. Dear uh, Dierkabi. Uh, D- Yes, yeah, he's I I would like to see him start more often as well. Um he's really impressed me whenever he's come on. He's I, I don't want to compare him to the the very good player that they had last season, but he he does have that injection that they see that Usman Dembele gave them last year which is he's not obviously as technically good and he's he's I don't think he's anywhere near the quality he has, but he does seem to add a pace he does seem to add um, an ingenuity and a, and a self-belief to this. This is a Ren team that can look really stagnant at times. So I would like to try and see them y- use those wide players that can be real goal scorers. They've both scored a couple of goals this season. Try and get the most out of them. Um, how he does that, uh, is it in a 4-3-3? Three, three? Do you play a 4-2-3-1? It depends on what he feels most secure in. Um, but I would try something like that because without a recognised goal scorer and a real a strong front man, they are struggling to really put away teams it against the Toulouse side that are slipping a little bit uh, it may be time to experiment a little bit more to see if they can push further towards their European places
0: all right Peter what's your take on Rennes situation this again is a team which spent quite a bit of money under Philippe Montagnier mm-hmm. uh, and challenged for Europe to the bitter end last season but perhaps should be doing better given the resources they have in comparison to other clubs in the league
3: yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and um, I also think the the other problem is the system. Uh, the four four one one, which Goku seems to to stick with, is is, is something that focuses on a kind of counter attacking defensive mentality. So it's not surprising that, that the football is the way it is at the moment. However, yeah. can you really blame Goku? He's he's, he's just trying to utilise what he's got, and like you said. Uh, earlier the the team has been hit with injuries obviously poor george tep who um i think is still a bit up in the air as to whether he's even going to be at ren at the end of the season uh, has been plagued with injuries which is really 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 unfortunate i think um if you look at goku's laurel side as well who who were very defensive it shouldn't really be much of a surprise to see ren shape up like this um my worry of course um is that this kind of defensive style might end up quashing the creativity of of the akabi who um I really think is, is worth getting excited about actually every time he comes on he, he looks really energetic and um, he has even though we want to try and avoid comparing him to Dembele too much he does have that kind of um, aura about him when he comes on the pitch he, he looks like he's going to make things happen in the same way that um, in the Premier League last season you had Marcus Rashford coming on and doing that so um, it, I think the system isn't set up to help Diakadi, but I think Ren will be good enough to uh, finish the season strongly.
0: All right, and uh, Adam, coming on to you.
2: Um, yeah, I, I just I, I just think with it I, he's not like as Nathan mentioned, he's not a prolific goal scorer by any means. But then that's not uncommon in in League and to have a striker who's not not prolific. But I'm not sure what. In, in a lot of those cases, the striker will often offer something a little bit more. They hold up the ball well. They're playing, you know, runners quite quite well. But I, I'm the, every time I watch run, I feel like often CO's a bit sort of isolated and and perhaps doesn't offer the team much in other areas either. So for me, I, if I was the manager, this is, I don't know. It was very difficult to predict how it would how it would go. But I would drop him entirely and I'd I'd move to a, a diamond and I'd look for playing. I'd look for using the wingers. Uh, in more central areas, people like Ntep perhaps play Ntep up front in the pair with maybe Viziki, maybe Diakabi, and put Gorkov in behind and use the central midfielders. Because if you look at their team, the midfield is the strongest area, and, and you, you, both in wide areas and centrally. And I would try and make use of that and perhaps use players like CO and perhaps more out-and-out wingers like, like and to come on and switch the game to maybe go to a 4 later in games when they need to change it. But maybe if they could, they could counter-attack and use the pace of players like Ntep and, and, and Viziki in central areas, use the creativity of Joe and Gorka not have to worry too much about defensive responsibilities with those, with those three central players, I, I, maybe that would be a little bit more effective. And I know it's not very French style to, to, sort of to, to, to use that kind of system, perhaps, although a diamond is obviously a French classic, but in that sort of way, um, it might, might go some way to, to at least making them a little bit more dangerous going forward, and especially on the counter-attack. Um so it's it's one of those things where I always feel like he could maybe use his squad a little bit better and, and utilise all those those wide players because you, even though Pedro Henrique and, and Ono as well are both very good players as well as he, so he can play in that sort of position. So maybe he's got options in that in that in that setup. But I don't think that is famous for using a, a diamond midfield, it's more of a sort 4 of 4 four four two often, four two, three, one. 2 3 like he's and in, in inducted that four four two into the DNA of the club and I don't know that's his style but Looking at the squad perhaps that for me that's where I would go but um, I, for me I have a feeling that CO is going to persist up front for, for the rest of the season.
0: Alright let's get our predictions then here. I'll start with uh, you Peter.
3: Hmm, uh... I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 win for Ren. Okay.
0: Adam?
2: 1-0 uh, for me.
0: Alright uh, I'm going to go with 2-2 and Nathan. I'm gonna go one new one nil to lose.
1: Okay.
0: All right, and Nathan, staying with you now. Uh, we're moving on to Monaco versus Marseille, uh, with Lassana Diarra back. The veteran should start at the base of midfield, given his uh, play last season, and, and despite an uneven start to this season. Uh, but what about the other two positions in Rudy Garcia's four three three? Does he persist with with Lopez and Machach or does he opt for a more solid? option, say perhaps William Banker or Frank Zambo Guisa against a rampant Monaco side.
1: Or does he go with a five three two like he did against Paris Saint Germain? That might be his way of thinking. Um uh, if he sticks with the four three three, I'd like to see him I'd like to see him carry on with Lopez at least. I've been really impressed with Maxime Lopez. I think he's he's got a little bit of a spark to him. He's got really good movement, he, he, he tries to get himself involved and tries to create things from that central area that Marseille have really struggled with in the past 18 months or so. So Having him in the side really adds an extra dimension to them and adds a little bit of threat that Monaco have to be aware of. Otherwise, if you're playing Vancouver and and, and Lastiara and Machashu's good but has not really set the world alight yet at the moment, I think you're being a bit too conservative, but at the same time, is Garcia thinking in this one with Monaco being so dangerous and knowing that a victory, depending on obviously how Nice do, could send them top or could at least push them, keep them close to that, that area of the table that they want to be? I, I don't know. I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if if he does stay incredibly defensive and play Vanquier as well as uh, um, Diara and possibly even a five-man defence, but we wait and see. I hope he doesn't go too conservative because my worry is, compared to against Paris Saint Germain, is Monaco are just finding little gaps in every single game, and a, and a and a lost goal against Monaco can be an absolute killer because if you try and then go for for the draw, then if he tries to pull his players out, it goes pear shaped incredibly quickly. Um, so he's got a real balancing act to do with. It. I would. I would try my best not to be too conservative and try and put the pressure on Monaco a little bit in this one and try and see how his team's going as they t- sort of we sort of head to that long stretch before um, the January transfer window, try and make a, a summation of how good his squad is against probably the best team in the 1 and one of the best teams in Europe at the moment.
0: All right, Peter, what about you?
1: With midweek fixtures
0: looming, Monaco are about to be very busy in terms of their fixture calendar between now and the end of the year. Is this a match to play or a rotated side for Leonardo Jardim? Or do you... Lohan deserve more respect.
3: Um, I I think Monaco will play a strong side, um, both on the basis that they're playing one of the biggest teams in France, no matter how badly Marseille have played this season, and also for the facts uh, and the reasons that Adam suggested earlier. They're not top of the league. um, They're chasing points. They're chasing Nice. And... um, You know, I think after the Champions League outings, obviously the performance against Tottenham, I wouldn't be so surprised to see maybe one or two players uh, miss out purely from a a kind of fitness perspective. Um, But no, I I would suspect to see uh, a Monaco side that is of full strength. And and I don't think um, that there'll be resting players at this kind of crucial stage, um, especially when, like I said, when they're not sat at the top of Liga.
0: All right, Moving on now Adam Roman Asandrini has been a regular since returning to fitness on the left of that four three three but he's but he struggled in that position. He is admittedly better on the right, if we think back to his uh, time under bielsa and as well as his time at Wren uh, but Talban has been too good there on the right to date. Uh, does Alessandrini need to change the scenery in terms of his positioning or could this just be, could this just be a matter of match fitness
2: i'm um- I think you have to say that it, it would be at least partially a matter of match fitness, <coughs> um, but I have a feeling that Roman Alessandrini may be at least when they at least in the seasons in previous seasons when Marseille were in the top six, although that's not necessarily the case anymore. That maybe he was a little bit out of his depth in terms of in terms of quality. I think I think he's a, a proficient winger, but I don't know that he's of the standard that Marseille traditionally at least w- would expect. And when you think about that, even though they, even though even though they sort of drop down the league now, I still have a feeling that he's he's outclassed by Pinedo and G. and by Fernand Gomez. So in the long run, um, I don't see him being first choice. But I think that he's a type of player that could thrive perhaps lower down the league. So I would think that the change of scenery, as you mentioned, might might be a, a better way for him to go. I mean, if you we talk we we'll talk about the the January transfer window, he, there are a lot of clubs that will be looking for a winger a workman like a pacey winger like Alessandrini, who's got a lot of experience is you know, lower down the league could be really effective for teams like Bastia and Laurie on those sort of sides. Because I don't think he's going to be starting for for, for Marseille if, in their first 11. But you have to give him the benefit of that to some extent, because he was out for a fair amount of time and he struggled to come back. And uh, given that he's sort of beginning of the season, that important period when players are really getting up to speed was curtailed by injury. And um, there's going to be a lot of effect on like sort of leftover effects. Hey, it will take him a little while to get back to, to full fitness but even so i'm not sure he's of the quality that marseille fans would would expect in in the long run especially tovan playing so well i've been surprised really at how well tovan's done this season so for me alessandrini should should think about you know trying to revitalize his career and playing every week because so i think he's one of those players that probably you know could be effective if he in a, in a weaker side but playing every week and, and being perhaps a bigger fish if you like so for me, I think he probably should should move on. When it might be good for Marseille as well, because it might sort of play some room for some of those younger players coming through that, that, have, that have sort of popped up in squads and played a few games recently. So I think it might be best for everyone if if he actually went if he moved on to the lower half of the league and got got some game time um, in the second half of the season, and he, that could that could suit him. That could sort of you know give him the spring, springboard to to to, to revitalise his career.
0: All right, Adam, what then would be your score prediction for Saturday's encounter between these two sides?
2: 2-0 oh, um, Monaco. Okay.
1: All right, I'll go with 2-1. Uh,
0: Ethan?
1: 3-0 uh, Monaco. Okay, and Peter?
3: 3-1
1: Monaco.
0: Finally, let's look at the weekend's big match. We are a little bit longer than usual today, but I guess with two big Champions League matches and a big league match that might be to be expected, and that is PSG traveling to Lyon. Uh, Nathan, the capital club are cl- suffering from a host of injuries and their reserve options are less than inspiring against Arsenal, in particular Gregor Skrkoviak. Did PSG get their summer spending wrong, and are we finally seeing the effects of that? Uh,
1: yes and no. I think that um, some of the players they brought in were not quite the standard that they needed. I think um, Hesse is an example of that, of a almost panic buy to try and get someone through the door that he doesn't seem to necessarily want to be there if he's not starting. There's no way he's going to get past Lucas and Angel Di Maria at the moment. I don't know why he's really there. Hatem Ben Arfa needs to be given a chance, really, um, which we've not seen. I don't know why. Is that Hatem Ben Arfa being... Um, Hisself again rather than the niece Ben Arthur we don't know we've not really been privy to that um, if he is then it was a mistake to buy him in the first place because you knew that risk coming into it and then you think back to someone like Krakowiak, who we've said we've wondered why he's not played and then he does make a pretty big mistake for the penalty although it's it's very very soft really in all honesty he does catch him but it's soft um, and he does make a couple of key mistakes but again is that because of game time because we, we know how good he can be I didn't think that him and Motta necessarily together really works although Motta was decent in the first half I thought in distribution terms but it, it was maybe a little bit too defensive um, and Mounier I, I think Mounier is pretty good um, as a, especially as he's always going to play as a, a replacement for Aurier especially when the African Cup of Nations comes around, but in all honesty, they needed another striker so they could take some pressure off Cavani. Who, yes, he scored plenty of goals, but there's been plenty of really key misses. There was a couple more last night that could have won the game for them in the end. Um, they needed a little bit more structure to the spending, I think, and and I. <laughs> Emery just needs to find a way to fit them in and try and get them playing football. At the moment, he's really struggling to work out what his best 11 is. That's too clear, um, especially from his reserve options, not really playing well when they're called upon because he doesn't seem to trust anyone at the moment. So um, it's a yes and no question. Yes, I think they brought some of the wrong players and should have brought in extras. But at the same time, Emery needs to do a little bit more for me.
0: All right, Adam, Leon have improved their form of late, particularly down to their two young defenders, Moutar Diakabi and Emmanuel Momana. The Argentine is a doubt due to a knock that saw a miss this week's game, but can the host keep PSG at bay, which is a seeming necessity at this point given their own uneven attack?
2: It's, huh, uh, for me, looking at Leon's team, uh, they're, they're so weak in defence, and keeping PSG at bay is going to be a tough task. Um, I, I imagine there's going to be a fair, a fair few goals in this game. F- f- partially for that, for that reason, but the issue at the back is, is they're lacking a, a first choice back four, um, and it's very difficult to see whether even Genesio knows what his first choice back four is. When, when you think about people, players like Raphael, who who in, in, continues to be a bit of a liability, got himself sent, got sent off against Toulouse. Is good going forward, but not great positionally. Um, and Biwa Bewa and Kulu have made mistakes this season, been in and out of the team. Diakabi's come in he's only 19, but he's performed relatively well. Jale's been out injured. <clears throat> Something I would like to see, you mentioned him there, would be perhaps they need to have a focal point for this defence. And I would like to see Emmanuel Mermana given, given more responsibility. Perhaps he should be the, the first choice centre-back. And at least as it stands, he, they could build the, the team right now. I was speaking to our, what our former Argentine analyst. He was telling me about, Mamanaka used to play Plate and he said that he, um, he, had, he had actually, uh, unfortunately, is an orphan. He lost both his parents when he was quite young and he was sort of forced to grow up quite quickly and is sort of a, but comparatively so for someone that's sorry, only 20, is quite a wise old head. He's sort of, he's got a long-term girlfriend and he sort of lives with his girlfriend's parents. And they've all moved, uh, him and his girlfriend have moved to France together. So he's more responsible perhaps than the average 20-year-old and, and perhaps more, unfortunately, had, had, had grew up quite quickly. So I think he's come, that comes through a little bit in his performance. He's, he's made a few mistakes, but he looks comfortable, looks composed, and he's, he's a solid defender. So I think, given the, the weakness of their back four, I'd like to see Mamana given more responsibility and perhaps build that back four around him. For now, um, perhaps it's still an area they need to strengthen in, 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 the, in, the, in the in the in the in the winter and perhaps next summer more more specifically. But I think he's a player that could could de- really develop into a, a very very good league and centre back, if not more so, and not sort of beyond that. So Going back to the original point, I think, as it stands, without Romana and Jaleh still injured, they're lacking experience. They're lacking players that are going to, going to really sort of fortify that defence. And they have all season. It's been their main issue. So if they can keep PSG out, it's <clears throat> as it stands. But I think it's definitely the area of the team they need to focus on. You look at the midfield and their forward line, they're so much better. It's definitely something that Genesio needs to think about in terms of transfers and in terms of the way he wants to go about building that backboard because it needs... Needs revitalizing.
0: All right, Peter, and I I couldn't agree with you more. Adam, I, I do think that uh, Mamana uh, is, is a big miss if he doesn't play this weekend, and uh, He and Diacabe really should be looked at as the future. Peter, as we mentioned earlier, Leon's four three three looked decent enough against Zagreb. Should Bruno De persist with that against this particular opposition, that is PSG, or offer something a bit more solid, perhaps alone and one of Ferry and two start as a double pivot, as he had uh, played earlier. Uh, Last weekend against Toulouse. Uh, yeah, I think or, I think you should. St- sorry, that's
3: okay. Um, I I think you should stick with the four three three for me. And I've said it before on the podcast that I, I much prefer watching Leon play the 4-3-3. It just allows for so much more creativity from the wide men and from the midfielders, and when you've got the option to play someone in that kind of. Uh, covering the defence and, and spraying the ball around to allow the wingers and the more attacking, attack-minded midfielders uh, more space, uh, like Gonelon's does so well. Um, it it can work very very well. Um, I'm not a fan of the three-five-two personally, especially as Asim suggested when the uh, when the defence is the, the centre halves are as weak as they are. Um, I don't think it's a it's a good good formation to play. Mind you, I suppose Chelsea proved that to be. Uh, wrong week in, week out at the moment. So so who knows? But Genesio is, is, is as, as we all know, is a somewhat of an unpredictable character. So I'm not necessar- necessarily sure what he's going to go with here. Um, he might look at uh, PSG's goal scoring form at the moment and think maybe he wants to go with something more defensive. But uh, for me, Leon needs to, to get some points on the board and they're not going to do that by uh, sticking five at the back. So I think they'll go 4-3-3 or at least that they should go for
0: 4-3-3. All right. And predictions then? Peter, we'll start with you.
3: Um, Seeing as this is looking like being the most exciting game of the weekend, I'll go for a nil-nil draw.
1: (laughs) All right. uh, Nathan? I'm going 1-0. Okay.
2: Adam? 2-1 Leon. All right. Uh, I'll go uh,
0: 1-0 PSG. All right. Well, that is all for this week. Be sure to join us uh, on Monday for our regular pod hosted by Nathan, with myself, and Philip, and we'll be back next week. There are midweek matches in Liga next weekend, or this upcoming week, so we'll be uh, recapping a select couple of those, uh, as well as looking forward to match day 16, which is set to continue next weekend. That's all for now. For Adam White, Peter Bowler, Nathan Staples, I've been Eric Devin. Thank you, and have a pleasant weekend.